Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. They say there are cat people, and there are dog people. We at One Strange Thing feel that this is a reductive view and would like to officially endorse all pets, including the scaly ones. Ones that have too many legs. Bitey ones that shed their skins like terrifying pantyhose. And even those electronic egg things that you let die in your pocket back in 2004. All are welcome here, as long as they don't eat the recording equipment. That said... There is something special about cats, isn't there? Sometimes slinky, sometimes fluffy, often judgmental, and eminently memeable. The domestic cat is the unofficial mascot of the digital age. We give it cheeseburger. We make up new words to describe its ever-expanding body. And we never ever f*** with it. The cat has become our favorite gif. Don't email us about that pronunciation, by the way. Life is hard enough. Our pandemic pal, the star of our TikToks, the focus of 1,000 podcast litter commercials, and worthiest of the fanciest feasts. Indeed, we're so busy Instagramming their tiny toe beans and baffling aversion to cucumbers that we've forgotten, well, their reputation. And we don't mean the superstitious stuff. Although black cats serving as a sign of very good or very bad luck, depending on the country, can make for some decent folk tales. We want to go back a little further to the pantheon surrounding protection from evil and of life and death. For instance, cats have been accused of the extremely terrifying crime of infanticide since at least the 17th century. The old superstition goes that a cat should be kept away from a newborn babe 
whose breath smells like milk. The cat, drawn by the sweet odor, might slink into the cradle and suck the infant's breath right from its body. Thus, some modern scholars think that cases of SIDS, crib suffocation, or other infant mortality were once blamed on family pets. There are coroner records from England and later from the American colonies that mention as much. In fact, there's a widely shared case from a 1791 copy of the Annual Register which collects each year's court cases. We found a reprint in an 1822 volume of the very spiffily titled Gentleman's Magazine. It summarizes the early American case as follows. A child of 18 months old was found dead near Plymouth, and it appeared on the coroner's inquest that the child died as a consequence of a cat sucking its breath, thereby occasioning a strangulation. There, in the alleged age of reason, was the belief that a cat could bring death to a house. Other connections between felines and death are a little more hmm, lofty. You're probably aware of the link between cats and ancient Egypt, though things have gotten a bit muddled in the telling. Despite what some YouTube videos might claim, cats were not viewed as the guardians of the underworld, but they were associated with a number of feline-headed gods and goddesses, and some do say that the idea of a cat having nine lives originates with Egyptian legend. Others think it may have started with the Celts, who kept a wary eye out for cats. Or, more properly, for what they called the Ketchi, shape-shifting black-furred feline. These fairy cats could purportedly change out of their cat shapes, you guessed it, nine times before they were stuck as cats for life. But that's not what made them, um, let's say ghoulish. It's more their predilection for the dying, or, specifically, the very newly dead. According to the journal The Scotsman, great care should be taken to keep a Ketchi away from a freshly deceased loved one, for, quote, a Ketchi could steal the soul of the dead before the gods could claim it. So, cats have, in one way or another, slunk between this world and the next for millennia, at least in the human imagination. They can represent death or bad luck or even regeneration, maybe even a kind of lucky reincarnation, if you look at it from a certain perspective. Nine lives, after all. But there are some who believe that cats can do more than just serve as signs or symbols or scapegoats. There are some who believe that cats can actually predict death. And when we say some people, we aren't talking about pet psychics with TLC shows or your aunt who shares those posts about Mark Zuckerberg closing your Facebook account if you don't post the messages on your timeline. We're talking about actual medical professionals people whose work appears in esteemed publications like the New England Journal of Medicine. One such doctor, David M. Dosa, wrote an essay for just that journal about a little gray and white cat named Oscar. 
Think long, fluffy fur, a blue collar with a bell, delicate whiskers, pink nose, darker fur at the tip of his tail and his ears. We're talking about one photogenic feline. And how did Dr. Dosa come to write about a cat? Well, they both work at the Steerhouse Nursing and Rehabilitation Center in Rhode Island. Dr. Dosa is a geriatric specialist. And Oscar is, obviously, a cat. And he's not even the only cat. Per the Edmonton Journal, Oscar arrived at Steerhouse in 2005, where he joined five other cats, a rabbit, and an assortment of parakeets. Other animals have come since then. The patients like furry and feathered company. But there's no doubt about it. Oscar the cat is, um, the top dog on the grounds. As a kitten, Oscar was brought to the, quote, locked dementia wing of the facility. That might sound depressing, but as the mirror points out, that particular ward is anything but a sterile or depressing place. There are flowers, homey furniture, art on the walls, and, well, cats. This dedicated wing of Steerhouse is where Oscar began his work, and, at the time we tell this story, where he still works, as far as we know. And what is the job of a cat in a dementia wing exactly? You know the usual. Per the Boston Globe, his shift mostly consists of naps, sleeping in a closet, napping at the nurse's station, eating, sleeping on top of things that people need, like files, all the things cats are best at. Technically, Oscar is meant to be a companion to the patients, but he isn't particularly cuddly. Not usually, anyway. In Dr. Dosa's New England Journal of Medicine essay, Oscar's described as putting up with the occasional head scratch, and he'll bat his paw at a nurse's pen when she's trying to fill out paperwork, but he'll also hiss at walkers in wheelchairs as they squeak by. He's not the lab cat that the staff might have envisioned. And yet, Oscar the cat is probably the most famous feline in the medical world. An episode of the TV show House was even inspired by him, sort of. They didn't get it quite right. None of them do. Because though Oscar is a very cute cat, he's often introduced to the public as if he's the featured star of a horror franchise. The trashier tabloids have called Oscar the harbinger of doom, the cat of death, the kitty grim reaper. He looks like a harmless old moggy, wrote the Daily Mail in 2007. We looked moggy up, and it's a long story, but it's basically British for cat. Anyway, their follow-up was absolutely ghoulish. But to the residents of one hospice, a visit from Oscar means only one thing. They've got just hours to live. In classic Daily Mail style, the description puts a slasher movie spin on a peculiar phenomena that, to the residents and staff of Steerhouse, is anything but terrifying. Strange, maybe. Perhaps even miraculous. Because it's true, Oscar the Cat doesn't usually like to cuddle up to humans. Not unless they're very very close to dying. How close? 
According to Dr. Dose's essay, Oscar makes rounds like any physician. He walks the halls of Steerhouse, pausing at certain doors. Sometimes he'll even walk in. A visitor may recognize him, hello Oscar, but if he turns and leaves, the message is clear, not today. But if the staff sees Oscar hop up onto a patient's bed and curl up against their blanketed chest, per Dr. Dosa, the phone calls begin. The doctor is alerted, families are summoned, because Oscar's presence means one thing, the patient will die within four hours. Why four? We don't know. That's just based on the observations of the Steerhouse staff. And four is actually the outside length. One to two hours is much more common. When Dr. Dosa wrote his essay for the New England Journal of Medicine, Oscar was two years old. At that time, he had predicted 25 deaths. By 2010, five years after he'd arrived at Steerhouse, he'd predicted more than 50. Looking for creepy stories? Then we might have a podcast for you. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. Rattled and Shook is a weekly podcast that features new scary stories every episode. Kind of like this. I would hear her say things to me inside my head. I couldn't get around him. I was trapped. The other guy started to get pretty agitated. He grabbed my grandfather's oxygen hose and he cut off his oxygen. Then I started thinking, well, you know, who would be hanging around in this nowhere forest, in this nowhere area? And that's when I started looking more closely. And that's when I noticed there were several shapes. And they were slowly working their way toward me as they were moving from tree to tree. New episodes of Rattled and Shook are out every Thursday. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Dosa told a story about a particular moment in 2006 when nursing staff had already noticed Oscar's interest in very sick patients. They'd been finding him at bedsides and noticed he'd be visibly upset when they tried to remove him, yowling indignantly as if to say, you fool, can't you see I'm working? It took several months, but they eventually realized he was there each time, and they began to track his movements, watching him as he monitored the patients. The question then arose, how exactly was Oscar doing it? What was tipping him off that one patient was more ill than another? Dr. Dosa doesn't claim to know. He's simply accepted that Oscar is another professional, making his rounds. Dr. Dosa told the Edmonton Journal, This is a cat that knows death. His instincts that a patient is about to die are often more acute than the instincts of medical professionals. Others have certainly offered their thoughts on Oscar's talents, both those on the staff and outside the facility. Per the Pioneer Press, some of the theories include Oscar's presence being the instincts of a carnivore in tune for the hunt. Pretty gruesome, if you ask us. And the much nicer idea of Oscar being a kind of cat spirit guide, angelic 
or otherwise, depending on your viewpoint. Numerous outlets have reported rational theories such that Oscar simply observed extra activity in one room or another, or the particular stillness of a certain patient. But the skeptics favor two major theories. The first is that the staff of Steerhouse simply wants Oscar to predict death. No, of course we don't mean they're creating a kind of cat murderer. That's terrible. And perhaps you're listening to too much true crime. We mean they might only notice when he is there as a patient nears death and not when he isn't. After all, they've grown pretty famous off Oscar's reputation. There was that essay, and then Dr. Dosa got a book deal. Then there was talk of a movie, although that doesn't seem to have materialized, but let us know if you see it. Still, Oscar is a prominent feature of the Steerhouse website. Very photogenic, very notable. It would be natural that they focus on his successes and skim over or forget his misses. The second major theory is that Oscar is certainly attracted to the patients, not by their dying, but by the warm blankets that cover them. That is precisely the answer that was used on the episode of House inspired by Oscar's story. Cover an ailing patient in a heated blanket and voila, instant cat magnet. Now, normally, this would be the point in a television program where it is revealed that the man bending the spoons with his mind is not actually doing anything of the sort. Or that the allegedly psychic horse is just trained to tap its hoof on the ground when it gets a signal from its trainer. But you're listening to a podcast, and it's this podcast. So you know we've told you everything, except for one strange thing. The explanations offered on House, and by the most ardent skeptics, they can't explain most of Oscar's visits. Sure, warm blankets and flurries of activity might attract the cat, but there have been multiple occasions when two patients have been sick at once, and the level of activity and attention would be the same. But, According to observers, including the families who were present, Oscar settled in with the patient who died, not the one who seemed sickest. Here's an example from Oscar's early years at Steerhouse. Dr. Dosa told the Morning Sun that at one point, there were two very ill patients on the ward and Oscar had been visiting both daily. In his own essay, Dr. Dosa described this process Oscar would enter the rooms, sniff the air, cock his head, look around, and walk back out to continue his rounds. Then, one of the patient's conditions worsened, and yet, Oscar took up residence in the room of the other patient, the one who seemed less ill. Dr. Dosa, who at this point had not yet accepted the cat as his fellow medical professional, noticed something pretty peculiar unfolding. Per the Morning Sun, quote, At one point, a nurse's aide became concerned that Oscar's streak of predicting death would end and brought the angry cat to the bedside of the more seriously ill patient. 
he looked at everyone like they were crazy and sprinted out of the room, returning to his vigil at the bedside of the first patient. And listeners, it will come as no surprise when we tell you it was the first patient, the less ill patient, who died. Even with that example, maybe we can still blame a kind of confirmation bias. Perhaps Dr. Dosa and the Steerhouse staff are rooting for Oscar and can't be trusted to accurately report his activities. But other professionals have weighed in. The Edmonton Journal quoted Dr. Joan M. Tino, professor of community health at Brown University. Medical people are skeptical at heart, but you wind up believing Oscar is a normal cat with an extra normal sense of death. He is drawn to death. Either he wants to give comfort or he is just attracted to all the quiet activity that surrounds a patient close to dying. As a scientist, I want to offer a biological explanation for this, but I can't. And even if you don't buy into the specialized skills of this one cat in Rhode Island, there's always the other one to contend with. Ollie the cat, yes, that is a confusingly similar name, lives at the Episcopal Nursing Home in St. Paul, Minnesota. Unlike Oscar, Ollie is a big yellow tabby. He's also more friendly and enjoys cheering up all the residents of the nursing facility. But like Oscar, his main claim to fame is death prediction. Dr. Dosa wasn't surprised to hear about a rival for Oscar's title. He told the Pioneer Press, I think there are a lot of other Oscars out there. You only need to talk to hospice providers to know that animals have the perceptive ability to do this. Not every animal can do it, but I do think there are those that are capable of doing it. And Professor Daniel Mills, an animal behavior expert at Lincoln University, also chimed in. He told Scotland's Express newspaper that, Animals have heightened senses which set them apart from humans. We function in a world of five senses. In the same way that we can't see infrared, there are sounds we can't hear as well, but many animals can. Animals are capable of amazing things, and we generally underestimate their abilities. I used to be trustee of a charity that trained dogs to sniff out different forms of cancer. A few of these experts have suggested that near death, patients are releasing, quote, sweet-smelling ketones, causing metabolic changes. So maybe those attract the cats. Several newspapers have described this possibility, suggesting that Oscar and Ali are perhaps cats with an extra sensitivity to these changes. With all this death predicting, you might wonder how the residents of both the Steer House and the Episcopal Church home feel about their tiny furry guides. The answer is pretty good, apparently. A staff member at the Episcopal Church home told the St. Cloud Times that the residents jokingly ask, is it my time to go, Ollie? And the staff member added, everyone loves him. Ollie seeks out and comforts not only the dying, but those who are in discomfort or lonely as well. Per the St. Cloud Times, Ollie, like Oscar, tends to avoid residents' rooms 
unless it's time to keep watch during someone's final hours. A resident's son told the Pioneer Press, Dad died at 11.20 p.m., and it was afterward that we noticed Ollie sitting on a chair next to him. I took a photo of the cat about an hour later, 12.43 a.m., and I can tell right now from looking at the angle that he's looking at the bed where my father was laying. It's almost as if Ollie was another visitor in the room, holding vigil with the family. Unlike Oscar, he doesn't tend to jump up on the bed, which, by the way, is another blow for that blanket theory. He just takes up a perch and adds his presence to the room. According to both facilities, the pets are generally welcomed by all and are rarely barred from rooms when families come to see their dying relatives. But when they are, Oscar, at least, isn't happy. He yowls and scratches at the door, trying to make his way back in, almost as if he has a duty, almost as if he's supposed to be there, for some reason, to do something that our human eyes just can't quite see. And it seems to be comforting to the many people who've known Oscar and Ollie. A staff member at the Steerhouse told the Edmonton Journal, Caregivers are always there, trying to make the patient comfortable until the very end. But Oscar's a component of dying. It's kind of weird, but kind of lovely. He's become a part of the death ritual, along with lowered lights, aromatherapy, and gentle music. Perhaps there's no scientific explanation for what cats like Oscar and Ollie do. Maybe it's as Dr. Nicholas Dodman of Tufts University told the Edmonton Journal, it may just come down to empathy. The gentle purring of Oscar, the bedside watchfulness of Ollie. Maybe dogs do have their reputation as humanity's best friend. But cats' tails, and tails, wind back just as far into our history, and our hearts, and our minds. If you've ever thought your cat was just a little otherworldly, well, perhaps it's in their nature. Perhaps they've always had a predilection for moving between. And maybe they can help us along the way, too. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers. From the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers. One Strange Thing is an entirely independent production. To support the show and hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There you'll get ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, full-length bonus episodes, and plenty of other fun content, all for $5 a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in our show notes. Now, please take a moment to listen to the following promo from Evan Stern. 18 or 80, crippled, blind, or crazy, 
I'm going dancing tonight. It don't matter which one it gets a hold of me or I get a hold of them, you know. That's Hoot Gibson. I met him at Arky Blue's Silver Dollar in Bandera, Texas. He's just one of many characters you'll hear from in Vanishing Postcards, a podcast where we explore the hidden dives, traditions, and frequently threatened histories discovered by exiting the highways. We don't give a flying slip for... Most of your regular bar types. Featuring dispatches from the back roads, Vanishing Postcards is a touching, frequently humorous experience, perfect for when you need a breather, but don't have the time or luxury of jumping in the car. I'm Evan Stern, and I invite you to join this ride by finding Vanishing Postcards wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>